Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to another episode of Woods and Waters Project Podcast. I have a new guest for you, and we're talking something we've never talked about before, but has been on my heart, and we'll get into a little bit of how I met Lindsay, or how I connected with Lindsay. I haven't met her yet. Uh, And so, Lindsay, uh, if you could say hi to everybody, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you. I am so excited. I love connecting and being on podcasts to just share my journey. So I'm excited for whatever you have to ask me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is going to be pretty like organically. Cause we, we just kind of connected, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know much of your story outside of following you on social media, but I was really excited to reach out to you. And I was even more excited that you said yes to be on the podcast. And I'm really grateful. Uh, I was sharing with you before we hit record that actually I was having the exact conversation with my boyfriend about what you and I are about to talk about when Mm -hmm. I stumbled across your TikTok page. And so my listeners know this about me. Um, So last year I left corporate America to work for a nonprofit where I plan hunts for youth across the state of Iowa. And I took a huge pay cut and huge risk because it was part-time. It was within the same month of my boyfriend and I buying a house and getting a puppy. And there was a lot going on. And to supplement my income, I took a part-time job on a farm and I have no farming experience. And I was a farmhand for a little while. And part of that was uh, to supplement my income so I can do what I love. But also I have a really strong desire to have a small farm someday. And I thought, what better way to supplement my income with something that I want to learn. And so I can learn to do it. And ever since then, and just picking up different skills and different things that I didn't 
know I'd have the ability to do. It's just been on my heart and my mind ever since then. And I bring it up all the time. And <clears throat> my boyfriend doesn't love it because he's like, you know how hard it is to start a farm, like how impossible that's going to be. You know, we don't come from farming. Uh, we don't have land. It's expensive, all these things. But I just, my dreamer heart is always like, no, I, I really think this is something we can do in our lifetime. I really do. And then I came across your page and like an hour later, and you're talking about how you basically started this farm from nothing. I was inspired. And yeah. So if you could, uh, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you, um, whatever you want to share and. Sure. Well, my name is Lindsay. I've been married almost 10 years to my husband, Dustin, and we have two girls, um, five and eight. So our story is really boring. There's nothing really crazy about it. We <laughs> are normal Texas, Oklahoma, um, kids. We met at college and yeah, we talked about like, Oh, we want to have land. And really it came from, and I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to this. It's like, you're driving down a road and you see those really cute windy driveways and you start talking, you know, to your significant other about like, I want a driveway that's long and windy, but you never really like actually think it's going to happen. Like, how do you do that? Like that's family land or <laughs> how do you actually buy a ranch or a farm? So it was always just like fun, fun chit chat. We did the normal buy a house, buy another house. And um, we were at our third home that we had bought together and we were smack dab in the middle of the neighborhood. I mean, obviously we still live in Oklahoma, so we don't live in like big city, but we live in normal size city and we were driving down the road. And I had kind of told you this, but on the bio of like my social media, it literally says him, do you want to like start a farm? And it says her like me. Um, yeah, let's do it. And that is legit the conversation. We were driving down the car and out of nowhere, my non-talking husband turns and was like, do you want to start a farm? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like laughing because I'm the like planner, like, wait, this wasn't in our 10 year plan. So we can't like start <laughs> it yet. And Dustin is like, if like, he's not going to plan what he's doing for lunch. And so there is a little bit of funniness to that, but that day, we contacted a realtor. We looked into what it was going to be like to sell our home. We knew that was going to sell very fast. So you had to kind of obviously flip and kind of look more at land first. Um, I could probably talk for two hours about how to look <laughs> for land and how to look for a house. But in the end, we ended up kind of coming up with a pro and con spreadsheet because looking for land and a home is much different than looking for a three bedroom, two bath home within 20 minutes of your grocery store. Like, it's <clears throat> right. so there's a lot of these pros and cons. And one of the things that we learned was obviously you have to look within your budget and stuff like that, but it all can look different. Meaning you can find a home that is in your budget on the land, but if there is no infrastructure so cross fencing, shops, barns, water, stuff like that, you are looking at an additional hundred plus thousand dollars. So can you afford that out of pocket or would it be more advantageous to up your like buying price to take on a little bit of a larger loan to, to roll that into a, a loan, 30 year loan? Um, so there's all these different things and I'm, I'm not in that genre of job work. So I just take that one sentence 
as a grain of salt <laughs> to move on. But my point is you have to play this little like juggling game with what you're looking for, what you're trying to achieve. So anyways, that's kind of really the story of how it happened. We went under contract a couple of times on different properties until we found this one. Um, I would never say that this is my favorite home, but the infrastructure was there. I can paint a bathroom, but I can't erect a, um, you know, 8,000 square foot barn. Like that was just not the money that we had. And so (laughs) a lot of things kind of have to give. And so November, 2021, we closed on this property. So it has been exactly about a year. Um, and it has gone a hundred miles an hour. We have, <laughs> we have had cows. We have, we currently have pigs. We have feeder pigs. We have sheep. We have meat chicken. We did about, um, 400, three or 400 meat chickens this year. Um, and then we have layer chickens and then we have dogs and barn cats and, um, everything else that comes on the property. But, we did it all. We jumped in with it all. And that's kind of the broad overview. I mean, you could break down every animal and everything that we learned. Yeah. But the broad overview <clears throat> is I have never lived on land in my life. And Dustin has never lived on land. Um, the extent of my animal understanding was I um, kind of part-time worked at a stockyard for like two weeks in a summer because I thought country boys were cute. Um <laughs> And that's about it. And I mean, you know, Dustin and I, we like, we like hunting and fishing, but that doesn't make you have any knowledge of agriculture. That just means you like being in dirt. (laughs) So that is, that's kind of the journey. And I'm definitely no expert at this point. Um, What I consider myself an expert is, is I ripped off the bandaid in life of telling yourself that you can't do something because you have no background um, and you're terrified of failure. I have changed, that has changed everything about me. I'm excited about failure now because what would happen is we would fail at one thing and all I could see was, oh my goodness, look at how knowledgeable I am now of not how to do something. Um, And so I feel like an expert in, in that aspect and but there's still a lot to learn. A lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, and like you said, you could take what you just said and break that into a hundred pieces talking about the different animals and the land. And, you know, the thing that I'm getting from it though, right away is I feel like in a relationship, in a partnership, you, you and your partner have to be a lot on the same page (laughs) and the same, and the same goal, because that undertaking by yourself or with somebody who's like not so sure would be hard. So good for you guys for working yeah. together through that. That's amazing. I mean, if there was a hidden camera, I definitely <laughs> think that um I said this to someone else one time of like there's a lot of things in life that you could do with your partner that is going to stretch you, but like working with an animal that has a mind of its own, trying to get out of something like you learn your communication style very, very fast. What we learned very quickly is I am an over communicator. Like give me the one, two, threes. Let's have an action step and a plan. Let's even like write it down before we go outside and do it. Dustin 
is I haven't even thought through what I want to do. So I can't communicate to you yet. And then that's where in the middle of it. And I'm like, well, why aren't you telling me how to do it? And he's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, so it's not always been pretty, but you're right that that part you can work through. But I will say that you have to both be on this same page. Um, I have not done this before, but what I think of is it's kind of like adoption. You are, you always know when you go into adoption that it's going to, there's going to be challenges, but when you know that that's what you want to do, that it always keeps kind of bringing you back to the greater purpose. That is how I feel about this. Like if you are both not, you are going to have one person that's constantly being like, see, I told you it was hard. Right. Rather yeah. than like, hey, how do we like, what should we do differently? Like you cannot have the C I told you it was going to be hard person um, or it's going to suck. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think I think it's already sometimes hard enough for couples, roommates, friends who live together to split up the house duties. Right. Or like um, bills or conflicting work schedules. And then you add a farm and land that you've never had before and animals you've never had before equipment you've never had before um and managing all of that and kids you know uh all of that together I think it's hard and I have a lot of respect for people who figure that stuff out together most definitely um because it's not easy for either party I imagine right yeah um and when uh when you had the conversation of do you want to start a farm yes let's do it you said that I mean you guys basically started looking right away right yeah Yeah, instantly and then so from so I would think that a next step or I guess I guess tell me if I'm wrong so you talked to talking about like the land and figuring out like the land versus the home and all of that um personally like when I think about this myself I I will do research. I will deep dive into stuff and I will learn as much as I can about something and I'll become like obsessive about it. But if I can get recommended like a professional, did you have a realtor that was like specifically that's what they did was like farms. Right. So yes. yes, yes. And I specifically did that. I, um, I didn't think it was very, it wasn't very hard to find in this area. Um, cool not saying Oklahoma, everybody, but it's more typical than I would say if you were talking to someone in maybe a different state or a different area. But yes, I specifically sought out someone who lived rurally. And there was a couple of things that in my head I thought was important. And now looking back, like I will tell you it was important. So yeah, (laughs) a couple of the things, a couple of the things that whether you live in an apartment a suburban home versus rural is that you typically are always going to have very easy access to internet, to natural gas, to, you know, how the trash runs, you know, like all of those little things that if you just go from neighborhood to neighborhood, it, nothing changes when you go rural and it's going to change for every city, for every state, you start getting into sometimes no man's land about like where, what is accessible. We, when we moved to this property, we had never lived on propane before. Not that propane is that weird. We just hadn't. That is something that looking back, if I were to write everything down, there are different expenses per different property that you go to. 
one that we looked at had a well that has a totally different type of expense, um, maintenance, stuff like that. So there are little things that the rural um, realtor was already new to bring up to you. It wasn't necessarily saying that she said, don't do this or this, but she would bring up things like, <clears throat> hey, on this property, let's look at the internet availability. Let's look at trash. Let, like if we would have found a property that didn't have trash service that you threw in the back of your truck and drove somewhere, I probably would have mm -hmm. lost my mind. Yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't even think to think about that. Doesn't a trash yeah. person show up at every home? Like those types of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, propane, we, it, it was a lot more costly than natural gas. Um, it, it's different when you budget it, you pay usually very large amounts all through the winter and then it chills out. I mean, talking like 800, 900, $1,100 in one month where we were paying for natural gas, like $40 a month. So it's just like different things. So yes, a land um, realtor, she lived rurally. The other part is <laughs> depending on what your goals are agriculture wise would mm -hmm. really be beneficial. We are not running large, you know, heads of cattle. If we were, and if we grow to move with that, I'm gaining knowledge, but also there are realtors here that own cattle themselves. They would have been able to walk us through the pastures, talk about the grass that's on that pasture, talk about the proximity to a pond, talk about like, those are the things like, how would I ever know these things? Um, right. And so I think it's very, very beneficial to have that. They're just going to have thought of things that a regular realtor transaction may not think of living more rural, but again, yeah. every, every area is so different. So even a definition of rural may be different. So having someone in your area um, is so helpful just to kind of check mark some of those questions that you don't even know exist. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. And that makes complete sense. I mean, even where I live, small town, we're right on the there's maybe like a thousand, the population is maybe like a thousand people and we're, um, we're in town, but we're right on the edge before it becomes not like county or mm -hmm. residential technically. So I was trying to <clears throat> just simply, cause we have a half acre yard and behind us is the town garden and timber and everything. So I was trying to get approved for bees and chickens and we're in like, as far as like in town goes, we're in a great spot for that. I couldn't get the bees uh, passed. They did not allow us to have bees, which I thought was kind of crazy. But um, <clears throat> if you literally go like, like, I don't know, a third of a mile down the road, right. it now becomes country. Right. Um, and people with the same size yard as me can have even like two goats even. Um, <clears throat> and like for myself, uh, I, I have a dream of like what I imagine, what I want, you know, for my farm someday and how much of that do I want that to be profitable? And that's like a whole, like, I mean, mm -hmm. you can spend a year working on that. Like, do you want to make profit from this? Is this just to support you and your family? You know, what losses are you willing to take? Um, you know, uh, again, don't know what you don't know. Like the price of feed, like when people talk about that here, or the price of hay, uh, I, that doesn't really register with me because I don't have to worry about it. But I imagine you start to pick up on that stuff real fast. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> Once you get those fast. animals. 
very fast. So kind of on that subject, there are really, and again, it goes back to like, what is your main goal in this? And there is not a right or wrong answer to this. And I will go back to that with anybody that says there's a way that you have to farm or homestead. That is not a thing. Um, but beyond being on the same page and having that as a goal in mind, there really are kind of two different sections to have a farm or to homestead. You have more of your side that it's like, you're probably always going to have another job. This is to, there's, there's a hobby aspect of it. There's a joy aspect, but there is a self-sufficiency aspect. I mean, and that ranges in your own way and that's fine. There's, there's different sides of that spectrum too. Yeah. I kind of live in the normal <laughs> zone of self-sufficiency. Um, so there's that side, but then there's the other side that it's like your goal is to make this your form of living. And you have to go through two different ways to do it. We started in the first one. So in that we both have jobs that we do, they're our sole source of income. We wanted to, we wanted simplicity, we wanted land, we wanted to run. Like this is where we started. We wanted to ride four wheelers around fish. I wanted to have some chickens. I just wanted more of the the space of more rural living. That was where we started. It shifted about four months in to where we put on a business hat. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't shock me that it happened because that is destined to my mentality with everything. We own multiple businesses. Um, but I didn't think it was going to trickle into this, but what I can say, and again, I could go another hour just on that. And I do touch, and I'm going to start touching more on that, like in social media, but we shifted about four months into running it and operating it like a business. And what I mean by that is we put the farm in an LLC. We started, we got an ag tax. We started learning how to properly write off farm expenses And then we jumped into the other section of, and this is a simplistic way to explain it. If we wanted to put 20 whole chickens in our freezer that we raised, so we wanted to raise meat chickens and we wanted to put 20 in our freezer and it was going to cost us $6 per bird. Let's just say that. I don't remember the numbers. If we bought 40 and ran them in just a larger tractor and sold the 20, what did our numbers look like? And as we started to calculate numbers, because it doesn't actually take much more time, you're still filling food, just add a little more. You're still moving a chicken tractor, just you're moving a little bit bigger. But if we sold 20, these are hypothetical numbers, we then paid for all of our feed, all of our infrastructure, and then essentially put quality, highest quality meat in our freezer for air quote, free, which is not free, but those, that's how it started to shift of like, you can do this for yourself, but then you can start getting kind of strategic on streams of income that are already kind of happening on your property to then start to pay for what you're doing, um, yourself. And so that is really where we like honed in this last kind of half is that, and this is where my heart really is, is that there's a lot of people that want to do this lifestyle. So one, let's just take down the objective of needing the the prior experience. Like I will be your poster child for that. <laughs> um, and then the second one being like, we could never do that because we can't really afford to do it. Like there are so many strategies. 
there's strategies to get this land that we haven't even touched on that we that we work for. There's grants. There there's so many ideas. I, my goal would be that more people do this because they can afford to do it because you actually can more than most people think, um, offsetting cost, being strategic with your numbers, running it like a business. Um, so that's kind of our shift that has happened this past year, obviously with lots of failures and lots of learning, but, um, that's really where we're at now and kind of moving forward in what we're producing. Yeah, I love that. And I, um, I was nodding my head a lot when you were talking about different ways, because so just a little exposure that I got when I was working at the organic farm that I was working at, they sent me to a conference with a bunch of different Iowa farmers and I could sign up for different classes and learn different things. And it was really fascinating. But one of the classes they sent me to was about um, basically how to obtain land and how to become a farmer when you don't come from farming Mm -hmm. and just learning that. And there was so much information on not just, okay, so you could say there were, there were grant opportunities, like you mentioned, but then it's like, okay, you need a business plan. Well, I don't know how to do that, but there were resources for that. Like you basically, there are people, you can say, Hey, I want, I want sheep and I want pigs and I want to flat, a cut flower garden. And I need at least this many acres, help me make it make sense. And then they can take that and help you with your grant. And there was just like so many resources that just in this meeting, I'm like, I could, do that like I could do I could do this and when I tell other people like my significant other or my family they look at me like I'm crazy I'm like no I went like this was like this is real this is a real thing and no one really supports it yet but they will someday hopefully they will they will I think I say you just literally do it um and then they will be obsessed that (laughs) is what happened in our world um, of just like literally everyone, everyone. I can't really think of anyone that was like, that's the greatest idea. <laughs> I can't really think of anyone. And they are all so obsessed with our lifestyle. It's not all sunshines and rainbows, but they yeah. want to be here every weekend. They want our meat. They love it. Like they see the joy that we have. Um, yeah. And a, a thing that you kind of touched on that reminded me of something that maybe this is going through someone's head but it's that mentality in anything in life that you have to do it to like a hundred percent for it to be valid. Um, like you have to quit your whole corporate job to start yeah. this whole other business. That yeah. wasn't a dog on you. I mean, I'm saying like, that's a phrase or like you have to have 80 acres to be able to run enough sheep to be called a farmer. Like if you will get over that objective and have your two acre home and start your first raised garden and get some, a quail or a backyard yeah. chicken, or even like take it down even another step, like buying a whole or, or like ingredients and baking your first bread for the first time. Like that means a lot. I didn't do all of those things. So half the time I feel like I'm like running behind myself, trying to do the simplistic things. Um, And so just this mentality of why don't, even if you had five acres or 10 acres, you can on 10 acres have a little chicken coop, you can run a dairy cow, just one, or you could Mm -hmm. instead you could have, you could raise two feeder pigs for your family, like 
that why do we have to go large for it to be cool or yeah. real um, right. in our friends' minds, in social media minds, in our family minds? Like that was a big hurdle of mine. So it was like, what's that little thing you guys are doing? Like, cause we didn't even get that much acreage, like to most people's head, you know, and um, just knowing like what we can produce on this and then what we're learning on a smaller scale. Like right now, if we have the opportunity to move, we're not ready, but the confidence I have to have more animals of what we've had, um, but being able to start with a manageable amount means, means more success. And I know that. Um, so that's a big hurdle that I know a lot of people do of, I don't want to start little cause it won't be good enough or cool enough or significant yeah. enough. And it, it yeah. honestly is, it still changes everything. It changes your whole outlook. If you have kids like the, the understanding and knowledge that they have gotten in one year, you can see it. I can see it in every single thing that they do, their understanding of traditional skills or just hard work. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> and I totally agree. And I think, um, where I live, what I've ran into, and I'm sure Oklahoma, if I'm, if I'm stereotyping is, or like general statement is probably the same. When I talk about it, when I say that, I think people think I want to do like a hundred head of cattle and right. 50 pigs and 50 chickens. And, um, when I say that I just want a few acres and here's the things that I want and here's how, and, you know, I guess I come from a recruiting background and, um, I feel like I identify people's skills that they have that can be utilized in a business way that sometimes they don't even see for themselves. Mm -hmm. For example, just last night, my boyfriend and I were, um, skinning and boning out deer. My boyfriend's one of the best butchers, um, and like processors I've ever met. Like I, he has great knife skills. Um, he knows the anatomy of animals really well. He understands their meat, what quality meat looks like. Um, that's just like one of his like strengths. Like he's just very good at that. And, uh, so sometimes when, you know, that's just like one thing. Um, so sometimes when I, when he talks like this farming thing would be impossible. I'm like, you are like, you have so many skills that would be transferable into making this make sense. But I can't make him, mm -hmm. you know, want it or make other people want it. They have to just get to lead by example and show them what's possible sometimes. But um, yeah, I just, I love that. And thinking of like having kids in the future, I think that the skills that they, the, the kind of world that they get to see, I just presented to a high school a couple of days ago about um, the nonprofit I work for and hunting and the outside world and brought them furs and did some trivia on like wildlife and stuff like that. And um, this first group of kids, we had a fun time, but they gave me a really hard time at first and told me why they didn't like hunting or the killing of animals of any kind. Um, and they, they started kind of going off on it. And I was like, do you guys like to spend time outside at all? And most of them just shrugged like, mm -hmm. eh. <laughs> and I was like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, that's kind of what this podcast is about. Like I talk a lot about hunting and fishing, but really it's about um, skills and going for things that people don't always believe they can do, or even yourself sometimes don't believe you can do and empowering people and being outside and living life a little differently, you know, going back, back in time 
And I feel like this like suits that so much. That is, that is the premise of like a lot of our motivation. Um, and you don't have to have kids to have that as a motivation. It can be a future motivation for kids or just even for yourself, but in the aspect of kids, because I'm living it right now, the amount, and this isn't like just a fluff statement, the amount of time that they spend indoors on technology, which I am not against it. So don't anybody come at me about that. We absolutely have (laughs) iPads, we have phones, we have TVs, we have all of it. Um, But the amount of other things that they have, that they want to do that I didn't even push on them. It just happened naturally is astonishing. Like it was everything I hoped for. The other part is like giving them the opportunity for the hard work. Like, and I know you can give hard work within a home. I understand that. But some of this is like higher level hard work. Um, like where I'm kind of like crying in the middle of it type of stuff because (laughs) it it hurts and I couldn't really carry something and like I just had to and and the animals and it's like there they see that and watching like my eight-year-old girly girl being able to walk through this is intense but we had like a chicken massacre like a bobcat got in um, and just everywhere and walk through and just the realistic part of like, okay, so what do we need to do differently? Like, oh, do I need to help clean up? And like, I know that might sound crazy that that's someone's like a mom's goal, but like, it's so my goal. I've been around the kids that act like everything is out to get them and hurt them. And I, I believe that this lifestyle, even in the tiniest part, taking your kid hunting, if that's all it is, like this type of lifestyle of pulling, like what you said, going back a little bit in time, like get me on my soapbox. But I believe that that has shifted the mentality of the adult that they cannot push a little bit harder or they can't deal with uncomfortability because they're not in anything that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the growth that can happen. And that's my soapbox and I'll get off. No, of you are free to have a soapbox here. Uh, <laughs> plenty of people have, and I get on them too. And I actually, in a very similar way had, um, at the school I was at, had, uh, a sidebar conversation kind of like this of, um, it's not a, it's not a judgment. It's whatever is best for anyone's family and right for them at the time and what the parents and the family feels comfortable with. But, um, because I work a lot with youth, I hear a lot about when parents start to introduce their kiddos to, um, different things. And I can't say like what's right or wrong. Um, but sometimes in my mind, I'm trying to think of a delicate way to say this. So sometimes they might not, they may not introduce their kids to, um, firearms or hunting or, um, some outdoor activities until they're like preteens, you know, and they're really nervous about it. And they're like, oh, they're not ready for that. And I don't even know if the kids really had a chance to even show if they're ready for that. Um, but for me, like I've been exposed to those things since I was little, little. Um, and I think I was better for it. For sure. Because um, I didn't have I didn't have the option, but to just like figure it out or like tuck away from it because I I was around it so much um, that it's second nature for me now. But I, but again, I can't I can't say what's right or wrong. 
Um, there are kids and adults that uh, pick things up later in life and they're amazing. They're even better than people who have been doing it their whole life. So I can't, I can't say that. Um, but it's interesting. Like I know there's different stages of growth with kids and like their brain and how it's developing and when to introduce them to things like that. And uh, that's a whole, that could be like a whole two part, probably podcast. <laughs> For sure. I, think. I think it just goes down to in, in whatever area of life you want to put yourself in. If you look for yourself and for your kids over a week period of time, this can be like a self-awareness exercise. And you realize that nothing made you uncomfortable, nothing, not a social setting, not nothing made you uncomfortable where you felt that little pitter in your chest that made you a little anxious because anxiety is fine. The little anxious feeling is fine. It means that we've moved. But if you haven't felt that in a whole week, you, you're not doing anything uncomfortable and your kids will suffer. 100%. I feel this strongly because that same feeling translates to everything. It's that, it's that going for your student council president like that feeling, if you're not used to uncomfortability, you will shy away from student council president or applying for that scholarship you wanted to, or talking to the boy you thought was cute, like for forever, you didn't do it. And it's like, if you're not comfortable with that uncomfortability, you will remain uncomfortable. And I will, I know you said some people will pick it up later in life and that's great. I will stand on the platform and say, I think a higher percentage of people who didn't feel uncomfortable just continue to never feel uncomfortable um picking up skills because they could have picked it up so much quicker because maybe they focused on gaining so much knowledge before ever even jumping into this skill um I'm a fan of uncomfortability and outdoor any genre of outdoor shoves uncomfortability in your face um every single day in any type of way and that is a big motivating factor of uh, for, for us. And um, I don't think I can ever go back. That is one thing that I tell people, like I am, I am ruined for, <laughs> I feel like life would be too boring. There's so many things to juggle. There's so many things to always do. And I love that part. I love that our evenings, I'm never like, oh, we should do all like I don't know what to do with the kids it's like there's something to go do let's look at the new baby chicks that just hatch let's go pick fruit from the trees in the back let's see if the fish pond is getting more water <laughs> you know things like that there's just a yeah. whole list of things to do um I love it I'm obviously a huge fan <laughs> yeah yeah I uh I totally relate to all of that um it's something that you and I talked about and that I, I feel like we'll probably bounce back and forth here, but since it's on, it's on my mind, I want to ask about it. So, um, one of the things that if I had to say was like a roadblock for me that I think about probably more than anything else, that would be a con of getting a farm mm-hmm. for me personally, it would probably be, I know I'd be tied to the farm more. I'd be half, I'd have to probably give up some things um and I know that's a realist that that I mean that's real life you know uh could you talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you or some of the realities of that that if someone's thinking about going to that lifestyle you know what 
what to be aware of? Sure. So this was something that was a very forefront in my mind in the beginning. I will admit it wasn't as big to my husband. Um, this was big for me. I love weekend trips. I love overnights in a town two hours away to find the coolest bar and coffee shop. Like that is so me. Um, or even just camping or like, it doesn't matter, but that was at the forefront of mine. Um, it's not gone away, but oh my goodness, the, just the simplicity and the joy that I have on this property has curbed a lot of that because I do think, um, and this is just for me personally, I think the longing to travel comes a little bit from the monotony of your everyday. Not, that's not the main thing. Obviously I love seeing new sites, new places, but I do think that longing comes from the monotony. So just out of pure happening, you don't have a monotony. There is nothing monotonous ever when you have a live animal, even just talking about the dog in your home, like it did not, you know, shift the monotony a little bit. And so now times that by 20 different animals on your property. So there's that aspect, but if that isn't enough for you, which it wasn't enough for me, um, then I'll jump into the reality of it. So there's a couple of kind of like bullet points that I would say, number one, there are a lot of efficiencies that you can put on your farm that make you not have to manage it hour by hour, day by day. So just to give an example, um, this is kind of more of a silly example. There's greater ones, but in our chicken coop, like in our run, you could put your typical little like round water dish kind of thing. Um, and you will have to change that two to three times a day based on your weather and the amount of chicks, or you can pay 10 times the amount cost-wise and get a 10 gallon one that will last your water seven days. Okay. So simple things like that. And this is like one of the business heads that you have to put business hats that you have to put on. Sometimes there's thing on this farm that will take sweat equity. And sometimes there's thing that you want to put, put the investment in because you don't have any more sweat left. <laughs> it's like my kind of <laughs> life, yeah. like I laugh about it sometimes just do the hard work, but other times pay more money. So you don't, because you don't have any more work left. So yeah. simple things like that. So example, um, it's funny that you asked this question. We were just gone an entire week, 700 miles from home for my birthday trip. It was a surprise trip and we went. And when this happened, I was like, what the heck are we going to do? Um, we have multiple animals that are happening here. So one, multiple feeders were out there more. Um, multiple water things were out there. Lots of time pre like kind of prepping where they were going to be situated on the property. Like, did they have tree coverage in that area so that if the temperature dropped and it rained the whole time we were gone, I wasn't freaking out that they weren't in the barn, like little things like that. So bullet point number one is working on, you do have to be more prepped, more efficient about things, but your farm can do okay, not staring at it 24 <laughs> seven. Um, but then the kind of caveat is that is you are not going to be in an area of your life where you get to go places on a whim. Like that is something that you sign, you just sign that area off. Um, and that is the realistic part of, and kind of like I mentioned to you, when you get a puppy, do not, do not get a puppy and then complain to your coworker that it's barking and peed in the house and wants to go out all the time because your coworker is going to look at you and say, well, yeah, didn't you sign up for that? 
that's kind of sometimes my (laughs) stance on these type of things is like, well, yeah, you tied yourself to a piece of property with a bunch of animals. Your ability to go on a whim is not going to be as doable, but is it doable? Absolutely. Um, The second part of that is growing your community around there. FFA students, homesteading communities, neighbors, like you may have to put a little bit of work into growing the community around your area, but it's so common to have farm share. It's Mm -hmm. very common, but you also, it's kind of like going to church. I don't know if your church goer doesn't really matter or whatever, but you can't step inside church every day for the past 10 years and never talk to anyone or volunteer and then say, nobody likes me at church. Like it doesn't work. And so it's the same kind of with this community is like, you can't decide you want to go somewhere, but then you've missed every community homesteading event for the past 18 months. Um, Yeah. And so that being said, the kind of this sentence that I leave at is yes, traveling is different. I think this is a seasonal part, like season of my life. I do not think that there won't be times that we will have less on the property or a different type of mentality where we will travel a lot more. We have a whole life and I don't, I don't feel tied down to this because I love this season right now. And that might not be your season right now. And that's to anybody that might be your season in 10 years with your first kid Mm -hmm. or whenever you want a kid or not a kid, whatever you want. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, the other part of it is, is that like what I kind of started with is that I really like being here. And so I don't feel that longing to travel and see. Um, but the realistic part is that is a conversation that you do have to have with yourself and your partner of it's, it's not going to be as big of an option. Um, there's one more section of when you have animals, there are seasons of animals too. So example, Like we don't have any sheep that are having lambs right now. That's not the season they're at. We have them separate. So now is a really great time. There's no lambs. We have Mm -hmm. no meat chickens because we don't run meat chickens through the winter because your pasture is so much lower. We do meat chickens spring through summer to fall. So there's also seasons of your farm that have a lull. There should be a lull on your farm. If you 24 seven do the high intensity I think you're going to like keel over. So (laughs) there's times and depending on each animal, there might be um, a good time would be with our, our pigs right now. They go to butcher in, I think February. And I don't think we're getting more till April. March would, could be a great like two day trip. We have no pigs there. We can have someone like look at the house for 20 seconds and make sure the chickens are fine and move on um so there's just a strategy you just can't it can't can't be all floating and women everywhere (laughs) that's not gonna work but um I don't (laughs) that it's accurate to say you've you've checked that season of your life off your list you can never go anywhere ever again I don't think that's accurate at all as someone who has multiple animals and has gone further than 30 minutes away from home like you know (laughs) I've gone far so Anyway, that's my stance on traveling. No, I I love that. And I think uh, I really resonated with what you said. So I feel like I'm going through, I I mean, I feel, so I'm 31 and I always say 
that I feel like I've lived like three different lives already because right. or different, you know, because just different seasons, different things. But um, and I, I am a very go-go person. And some of that is a requirement of jobs I've had and things I do. Um, but I was just telling someone this last week that I am kind of a sort of, I'm kind of a homebody, homebody lately. And uh, that's new for me. Like I've never been that person, but I have three dogs that are like my whole world. I love our cute little house in a small little town and there's land nearby that I take my dogs hunting on and I do a lot of writing and, you know, podcasting and journaling and creating of things. And, um, I like to be home. And I remember one time traveling with my mom and we stayed at this Airbnb and it was a farm in Pennsylvania and they had peacocks and guineas and chickens and llamas and emus and it's a whole bunch of uh, ordinary and not ordinary farm animals. And it was beautiful and they had a flower garden and their house was just adorable. And we got to talking with the owners and they've traveled all over the world. And something she said that like resonated with me so much. And I've thought about many times. I was like, where's your favorite place to be? And she's like, right here, right mm-hmm. here at this farm. And she's like, it took me some time to realize that if you can make your home your favorite place, then yes, you'll still want to travel. And I, we still do travel. She's like, but I can't wait to come back home. Sure. And that is such a different feeling than dreading coming back home. It really and not is. wanting to leave your vacation. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I will, I mean, you could talk to friends that I had before this year. And I was never at home. Dustin and I were never at home, not because we didn't like the home. We had a beautiful home, but it was like, at the end of the day, if we worked, it was like, well, let's go do something. We're do people. Like we were booked out all weekends, all the time doing some type of social thing. We're just, our families are in that area. And like, we always were somewhere and we're never gone anymore because I say that sentence again, but like, I think the longing for that type of lifestyle is because of the monotony of your life. And that's okay. Like everybody's very different. Like I'm more triggered by the monotony. Like I can't yes. eat the same thing for lunch every day. Um, broccoli and chicken. Like, so I think monotony is a big thing for me. So there's just different levels of monotony, but it's absolutely true. And I will be the first person to attest that like, I love being here because there's so much to do. Um, there's always something different. You can make it different all the time. And it is it is where I prefer. I, like I said, I was gone for a week, just, just got back yesterday in the probably craziest city I've ever been to. We went to New Orleans. <laughs> that was the most insane city I've ever been. And it was so fun and it was so different, but like, even on the way back, I was like, I can't wait to be home. Um, and so it, it's, it, again, it's seasons, it's sections of time, Um, but it is, it's very individualized. And I think a lot of the things that I have talked about have kind of come to like, you have to kind of walk through your, your mint, like what you're thinking of when going into this. And, um, but at the same time, like, don't overthink anything. Um, the sentence that my husband says that I, at first, when he said it, I was like, please shut up. Um, but now it's like descendants of a lot of things we do. And he would say in anything we did. So when he brought our first animals to the property, 
Um, he didn't tell me it was happening and he showed up with a trailer and he had <laughs> five sheep and four pigs in it and a new puppy. And he showed up oh. all 30 minutes before he was here. And I think I said about 45 questions within like a minute of what do we feed them? What do we do? What about, what about, like, I was just going, what about, and he, there was a calm and he said, we're going to figure it out. And he said, what's the worst that can happen? And I was like, the worst that can happen. I can tell you all 45 of my points of what's the worst that can happen. <laughs> and what I came to realize, and this goes back to even just this, you, you buy the land, you get some animals. What is the worst that can happen? You look at each other or yourself and say like, I don't love this. Guess what? Someone wants to buy your goat. Guess what? Real estate is one of the greatest things you can recoup unless you make dumb decisions and mm -hmm. you can go back. You can change. Like you can, we could to this day right now say we're done and be done. So with every single thing on this, if this is an interest of someone, again, I'll say without making dumb decisions, but what is the worst that can happen? You don't like it. The chicken dies. Like the chicken's going to die regardless. Now you're going to know how to not make it die. And that's, <laughs> I think that is maybe a too simplistic way to say it, but like, what is the worst that can happen? Yes. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's actually, un, I mean, I don't know, good or bad. That's, I feel like how I live my life. I play it out. What's the worst that can happen? All right. Is that as scary as I'm making it out to be? No, right. it's not. It's not the scariest thing. Um, so <laughs> I was going to ask you one question, but now I want to ask you another one. So uh -huh. what, what, what would be an example of a dumb decision? Oh man. <laughs> um, okay. So I think I made a TikTok about this cause it was funny. Um, we were really um, naive about animals and fencing. I think in my head, I said, if I give you like the great water and this yummy food and this perfect grass won't you want to stay right here <laughs> <laughs> not what they do um so we were really naive about like fencing and like gates and locks and so dumb decision meaning like thinking that you didn't have to like fortify things or like yeah. <laughs> watch them a little bit more but like our cows have been in the road our sheep were in the road um I mean, we've like, and that's another, like a kind of funny thing when you get into this lifestyle, it's like a rite of passage. Like you're, when your animals get out now, you've made it. Like if you, if you yeah. have had an animal get out, like you're not doing anything. I mean, it's the same for dogs, honestly. They, yeah. they don't want to stay right there. They want to explore. So um, I think that's my best example of just like dumb, like the amount of times that we were like, oh, okay, that whole section wasn't even like standing upright and they got out there, like, <laughs> things like that. Um, that would probably be our most dumb stuff. I mean, I think there's probably a dumb thing done probably every other day, but it goes back to that sentence I said of like that one little dumb failure has added to my repertoire of knowledge that I almost am like, when we start into something, I want all the failures to happen like as soon as possible. And like, yeah. oh, sweet, like crossed all of those off. Like now we have the whole rest of the time to be knowledgeable about it rather than the fear of this failure. Like, oh, I hope we don't, I hope that doesn't happen because it's like, 
the failure is inevitably going to happen. So shouldn't we just like learn about it now? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I love that. I um, I can get like a little too deep dive into that stuff because then I was reading about um, how I think like it's an, a state law in Iowa. I'm pretty sure I could be totally wrong. So I went down like a rabbit hole. So I, I don't necessarily know <laughs> what I'm talking about, but it was talking about how like if your cow gets out in Iowa and someone hits your cow yes. and something happens to them, you are liable. You are liable. That. Like, that, is, that is absolutely a law. It is 100% a law here. It's like, it's like a livestock law. So um, our brother and sister-in-law did the same jump at the exact same time as us. Um, oh, cool. Exactly. They bought land and did the exact same thing. So we've like, we share war stories and stuff like that, but their um, sheep got out. We got sheep at the exact same time. Their sheep got out and they ran around town for hours on four wheelers because if it ran in the road and caused an accident, you 100% are liable for that. Um, and so they ended up, this is not a fun story. So just be prepared. They had to shoot the sheep because they could not catch it. And yeah. so that's what they were told to do was like, you have to end up like they saw it in the woods and they had to shoot it because they could not catch it. Um, and so, yeah, you're absolutely liable for that. But I mean, I think that's rare and I don't know. It's- yeah, I think that I just know of some people that um, are like they insure the specific animals because of that because if they get out then I mean worst case I I know there's some things there I don't know I I know moving to a small town and we live in kind of heavy farming area and there's like a lot of Amish where we live Mm -hmm. um and I just like remember just smiling and loving it because like the things I see coming into our small town from like the bigger city where we have to get most of our stuff like the other day, I had a llama run in front of my truck because it oh escaped. So fun. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Those are so, there's so many fun, like rural living, like stories. The first day at my kid's new school, we're in the drop-off line and like every fourth car had a trailer behind it with like yes. random <laughs> animals. And I was like, I love it here. I'm like, so fun to me but like yeah. you have to want to find that stuff exciting and yes um, yeah so yes it, it happens so, <laughs> so uh I can totally tell that I I'm not even really in it but I'm like kind of in it so I um I can only imagine I I think that's awesome so this is probably a loaded question I, I think you might have answered it earlier if it was the first thing so you're moved into your home you're there mm-hmm. what was like the first thing like you you moved in and then what was like the first step of starting your farm right so it's kind of a funny answer because when we toured this home like you know you did your normal walkthrough this um we show up at the property and the owners were here and they were like 70 years old they had raised half of their kids here grandkids and we show up and they asked if they could stay at the like showing and I was like yes of course that's not common you know as common with your normal home because owners can be weird but I wanted them to, and I was actually really excited. And she was like, I'll answer any questions. So one of the things for this property is they had put a lot of time into it. They had fruit trees. 
nut trees. And so she walked us around and showed us the different stuff. And as she told us, I, you know, acted excited and I would ask questions and she cried. The guy cried. They were so happy because they had said that they were, they had told their realtor, we want someone to take on this property that, um, wants it, you know, wants it as bad as they, she had gotten sick and they couldn't maintain it anymore. Um, and so I would ask her questions. They have, so the, the property that we have has about an acre to an acre and a half garden space with raised beds and all this stuff. So I'd ask her all these questions. Okay. I'm getting to your question. So one of the things in the backyard was a chicken coop and they had, they had horses and they had sheep and they had other things. They had a chicken coop back there. There were chickens running around. And so they asked us a question after they had decided that they were in love with us. Our girls were swinging on the oak tree that she had um planted and like they loved us and she said what do you think can we leave the barn cats and I was like oh I guess I've never owned a cat in my life she's like they won't <laughs> they won't do anything there because the barn is you know hundreds and hundreds of feet away from the house it's a huge barn out there and they're like oh they'll love it and then she goes can we leave the chickens and I was like what do you mean leave the chickens and she was like well I mean we're gonna sell everything else because they're profitable, but selling a chicken is kind of a hit and miss. You may post it and one person shows up for one and another, but it's kind of, it's not a huge moneymaker to sell your chickens. So she's like, well, you're thinking about leaving them. And I was like, yeah. And I'm saying like, yeah, that's so exciting. And I remember when we closed on the property, I look at Dustin and I go, wait, we got to go right to the house tonight. Cause sometimes you don't like stay at the house. You close that yeah. you go back to yours or whatever. I was like, we have to go back to the house tonight because we have chickens. And I remember us laughing because we were like, what do you feed them? And then we <laughs> laughed again. And I was like, how often do they lay an egg? Like we had no idea. So yeah. to kind of answer your question in a funny way, we, for day one, were Googling, like, how many eggs do chickens lay? <laughs> Like, do they run away if you open the door? Like all these hilarious things that would make, that make me laugh now because it's like all that I know. But day one, we started out with 12 chickens. Um, and so we learned again, like, oh my gosh, I was freaking out about them. And within a week's time, I knew every, not everything. I knew so much about them. We had egg bound, we had bumble feet, we had a crop issue and I'm over here googling a YouTube video of how to excrete crop issues in a chicken and Dustin's <laughs> squeezing it and I'm like I think that's the wrong area like and now I like I know how to have chicken so that was just kind of introduction one I think that in a funny way kind of ripped off the band-aid again to where yeah. we're like okay we can do this and then what was the next step um we got a phone call. Okay. Here's another funny thing about like being one of the first of your like friend and family group to own land, um, on social media. And I'm active on social media. I always have even before farming, like Facebooks and stuff like that. Um, we were very big about, we bought land and all this stuff. The amount of messages that I started receiving from like, Hey, we have this dog that's yeah. really hyper. Do you want him? Or my daughter had a bunny and do you want him? And I'm like, D when did this, like, when did this categorize me as the taker of all animals? But I get this message from a client of mine that said, Hey, I have another client that has these two cows. Do you want them? And I'm like, no, 
I don't even know <laughs> what do you do with a cow? And we show up and it's an elderly couple. They can't keep them in. They have the, that kind of like wood slat fence where the deer at night would like jump through it and break off the, like the middle slat. And then you have to go yeah. out, and put it back in Well, the cows would get out. And so we were like, uh, and they were like, we just really need someone to take them. And we asked like how much, and they threw out a ridiculous amount and we're like, okay. And we literally put them in the back of a trailer and drove home <laughs> and pulled into the park, like, pulled into our property. And I go, where are we putting them? And he was like, well, I thought I was thinking about some places on the way home, but now I need to just like walk around and figure out. And I'm like, oh my God, we have two 900 pound animals in the back of this trailer. And I don't even know where to put them. And that we opened the gate, put them in there at four that morning, I was getting water and I look out of one of our windows and the bowl is in the garden. We made it. 14 hours from putting them in there so we go out there we're running around trying to get him back in there they don't like follow you they run yeah. from you so we're like right. trying to herd them through an open pasture which is not a thing <laughs> I'm like <laughs> oh my gosh we finally get him back in and I'm like well how did he get out And he's like, I don't know. And he starts like heading to bed. And then here's my personality versus him. I'm like, well, shouldn't we stand here and figure out or aren't we going to do this at 8 a.m.? He's like, oh, we'll see. At 8 a.m., we're getting up. They're both out again. And I'm like, clearly something's wrong. So that is just a (laughs) tiny little introduction of how we did animals. Honestly, that's how it went. Same thing, got them home, figured out where are we going to put them, put them in a whole little paddock of the pasture and realize they can absolutely get under this fencing. We have like um, metal pipe fencing throughout the whole property, like really good metal fencing, but it's a, probably about a foot and a half from the ground. When you look at a sheep, you don't think they can get under them. They're like an octopus, apparently. <laughs> we down in there. So it's like story after story of that, of just like dumb, like, uneducated on animal fencing animals and that is really the way like the answer to your question is what was next is just like do like something like we just like got something and then it kind of cascaded from there where we needed all the animals and we needed more and then we wanted to do meat chickens and that has had probably pages of failures pages of failures We've lost hundreds of meat chickens and I'll be the first to tell that. Like, I'm never going to stand here, sit here, talk here and say that we are a huge success in everything. Um, We have messed up so many times, Um, but that's just kind of part of it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Not supposed to be to this level, but. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I was wondering. Like, if you just. Because I picture like when I like visualize this for myself or anybody, like I have some friends that just um, bought a huge property uh, from their grandmother. And then um, the the wife who's a friend of mine and their little girls, like they're kind of, I mean, really, I don't mean this in a bad way. Like they're city people, you know, and they just, they moved on this big property and they got a cow and they got a horse 
and then they got chickens and I, and, and like, they just, it just keeps going. And, yeah. um, listening to my friend, I love, I like love watching her because she went from, and I don't even know if she thinks of it this way, but every time I'm around her and she talks about her house and her farm and everything, um, she just gets more knowledgeable and like more confident and like more, uh, it's just like a side of her I'd never seen before. And I don't even know if she would recognize herself, you know, right. and I love it. I love seeing that in her. It is really movie. funny how that happens. And like, it really makes me very sad. And the more you get into the social media world of anything, whether I started makeup, you know, makeup or whatever, that first kind of level of who do you think you are mm-hmm. um, is so annoying to me when I see it. And I'm like the first person to like back the person, but like, why that has to be the way it's like well you don't even know what you're talking about like then just tell me like I never and I get it a lot on social media but it's like that first really level of too new to know much but eager to that it's I just I want that to overtake like the the outdoor world in general um I mean I'm sure you see it too it's like if your daddy didn't drag you along hunting and you don't know all these little things that you grow that you learn over time then you're not good enough to do it and it's like well how did how are you how are we expected to learn that stuff if I'm if we're not told or we don't have the option but don't make people feel stupid for not knowing and kind of like with your friend it's like the confidence you get but I believe there are a lot of people that want to do more within this, but that is what they've seen. Um, yeah. And that's with anything in life. Like I said, there's, yeah, a, there's a girl there that wants to put out videos of her makeup routine. And I promise you, she's not doing it because someone told her she didn't know what she was talking about. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's social media for you, but yeah. in this world, it's that whole, I think I put a video out about it too, but it's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't like, there's I put this whole video out of like if I don't raise all my own meat and vegetables then I'm not a true homesteader but if <laughs> I do it all and I don't really know what I'm talking about then I am a poser so it's like which one do you want me to be and um that is that's a big part of my encouragement to people like I I want people to feel encouraged I want people to feel encouraged through this journey and um there's a space for everyone. You don't have to grow up in this and be a third generation, anything to do yeah. anything like, okay. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, one of my, I'm like, once I kind of love you, I'm very protective of like my people and something that, um, I talk about when I do, I do this with my women's workshops and classes. Usually when I'm wrapping it up or some point in the weekend or the the day, whatever the scenario is, the teaching, um, we talk about uh, social media and ethics and like the world out there. And um, I'm always like, it's like having, I guess, I don't know. They're like, they're like my babies and I'm like putting them out in the real world and I want the real world to be nice to them, you know? Right. Um, and a lot of women that are getting into hunting or something outdoor related, um, I'm like so proud of them. And they're around this community of people that are cheering them on and so proud of them. But once they leave that classroom or they leave that community, the rest of the world looks at them like they're stupid or like they have seven heads, right? 
and just don't relate to them. And then you start to feel lonely in your pursuits and, um, or judged or whatever. And it happens a lot. And it just makes me so mad because on social forums for anything, like it doesn't even matter. It doesn't have to be hunting. It was when I, um, I'm in like dog specific forums, you know, for the kind of dogs I have or, um, just different groups like a quail I'm in a quail group because I really want to get quail uh and it like you just see this negativity mm-hmm. uh and it, it's it's so it's so frustrating um because everyone's probably trying to get out of their comfort zone at some point right like it I don't know it's just hard to see as someone who likes to teach and help people get out of their comfort zone um I just like I'm just like bracing myself for someone to knock them down, you know, which is going to happen to everybody. It is. Yeah. I think people for some reason forget that they once didn't know. I mean, I even like human nature kind of do that too. Like I'll see a, a question of someone in a backyard chicken group of like, why aren't my chickens laying every day? And there's a part of me that wants to be like, cause they don't you ding dong. But I'm like, I thought the same too and so I really I think it's going to take the use and the eyes saying like actively saying and I try to make this a practice like that's a great question blah 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 like validate good job asking like the belittling has to stop um with this kind of stuff or we're going to sit here for forever and hope that more people jump into it and wonder why they're not um and so I think it takes the the use and the me's validating the question and validating the journey of it because we were there too, but we were just probably yeah. a little bit stronger to not let it knock us down, but it's not everybody's personality that really gets right. in a lot of people's heads. Right. I'm that's not typically my personality. So we have to be the, what you said, the more protective of it too. Um, yeah. that's going to take, but it'll always be there. So yeah. I no, it. I, I, yeah, I agree. And it's, there's so many things that this applies to that we have to be, even if sometimes we want to, we want to see, um, good ethical practices, whether you're talking about farming or homesteading or hunting or hiking or, you know, whatever you want it, you as a person who really loves that lifestyle and that, that hobby, whatever it is, um, you want to protect it because you love it. So you want to see the people who are getting into it um, do it right, right? Because then it can be like a bad name for you or the overall. But the best way to do that is to just support them and love on them as much as you can. Because, um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. But I, I could talk about that. I could talk about that. For sure. For- <laughs> uh, but no, this has been really great. And I, yeah. I know... Um, do you, I don't want to like go too into it because it's every scenario is going to be different. Sure. I guess I'm looking for, so where I come from with it and I, I've had exposure to some of the resources that could be possible for me in my state and where I live, but the money part, especially now, like people are becoming more vocal too which I think is great about just how hard it is to just like live (laughs) right now and and sometimes this lifestyle or something like this can seem impossible to us because of the money that can be like a huge barrier initially what would your like piece of advice be for someone and like 
taking a look at that, you know, for yourself, what's possible with what you have or what can you make happen? I know that's such a general statement. It is. Um, it is. And I, I totally get what you're saying. And I do get asked it a lot. First off, not that I need to have a disclaimer, but first off, yes, I'm not going to ever pretend that Dustin and I are, um, are not doing well financial well-ish. I mean, I could give you numbers well-ish. Um, we've worked hard, but here's one of the things that I would say to people is that we could not have done this in the beginning. And we had to live in multiple homes that were meh. Um, so there's a big thing in our generation, you and I are the same age, and there's a big thing in our generation that if they grew up living, you know, middle-class, moderately sized home with their parents or even upper-class that it's like they get married or they start to start their adult life. And they like immediately think they're going to jump into that lifestyle of Mm -hmm. having that that home if they grew up like that. And I know everybody's is different. And so one of the things is the patience of that, of like, sometimes you're not able to jump straight into that. So there's a big disclaimer that I want to say of like, it may look like there's the fun of saying, let's start a farm. Yeah, let's start a farm. But in the end, still just financially, it could have said, we could have said, let's buy a bigger house. Let's buy a bigger house. Like we still Mm -hmm. went up the real estate ladder in terms of buying like the putty duddy. That's not even a phrase. Um, starter home that I now. I know, buddy, buddy. I'll go home for you. Um, <laughs> starter home that I hated that we kind of put a little bit of sweat equity into, and then went to the next one, and then went to the next one. So one is the patience of that I'm never painting like this rainbow picture that we just one day out of nowhere decided we had enough money to do this. We worked towards having this type of real estate money. The other thing would be, there are, like you said, a ton of resources to be able to do this, not on your own income. USDA um, loan options are amazing. They are, um, we looked into it. We actually were going to use one on one of the properties. They are a little bit um, particular about like the number of acreage, but under a certain price range. So you, again, it goes back to like, you may not have everything you want. Actually, you're really probably not going to have everything you want um, if you're not a millionaire. (laughs) And that's like, (laughs) you're not going to have this perfect little ranch home on this, on 800 acres. Like it's not a thing. Um, And so being okay with that. The other thing is like what I kind of had said in one of those sentences of like, what can you accomplish on smaller and work towards that is a big thing. Um, and then the kind of what I talked about of going into business mode, which I realized was a little bit of an easier thing for us because we have done it in other capacities, which is why I have really big goals for this next year to be able to, I don't know what to what capacity. So don't be looking out for like a seminar, (laughs) Um, but like the little things like that of like, we learned a lot of tax things today of like what it looks like, not today, this year of what it looks like to put it in a business, put an LLC and and what can come from that. And just the little things about like us connecting with our, um, our like ag extension office in your County 
Like they literally are sitting there every day with pamphlets and links to all of this information that half the people sit there and say, like, I don't know how to do that. That's literally what those things are for. Um, And so it's just, it's like the hard Lindsay side of me says, like, if you don't know an answer to the question, you literally didn't look because half the time, a lot of those questions are there. Um, And taking the classes that they're offering, the boring little community classes that they meet at your fairgrounds um, on the Saturday morning, like go to one and um, go do the Zoom class. We did the most boring Zoom class in my life, like three weeks ago (laughs) that talked about um, truck tags and like how to use those. But like I left being like, oh my God, there's such a strategy with this we can get a farm vehicle and do it this way and use it as a daily driver. And like, there's so much stuff, but I'll be the first person to say like, um, I had to sit through something pretty boring and I had to go out there, but there are those resources, um, to do. So I'm hoping that that answered your question, but I also never want to be, um, insensitive of the fact of like, there are still friends of mine and people of mine that still don't even have a down payment for their first home. And I totally get that. So I'm never trying to sit here and say like, this is so easy. Everybody can do it because that would be similar to a loan officer, you know, or a real estate agent saying that about everyone, not even in land or farm. Like that's not an accurate statement. There are absolutely people that do not make enough money to purchase even a home. And so I'm never going to dismiss that or make this seem like it's so, so easy. Cause you obviously still do have to have the resources. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. but the point that I was kind of making to you is I don't think you have to have as much as you think. And I know I said this off camera to you, but the amount of friends and family that I've had that just really just wanted to know where our property was and stuff. Cause they wanted to see what we paid for it. And I would giggle under my breath knowing that we paid less for this property in our home than they paid for their home in the city. Um, But then thinking we literally like dropped 900 grand on this. And I'm like, you're funny. (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and those type of things of like land and real estate cost more money, the closer you are to a city. So you may need to be 30 minutes from your favorite restaurant. So is that worth it to you? And um, that was a long-winded answer for your question. No, I no, I think that's good to hear. And something that, and I can only speak from, again, my like brief experience, but what I kind of got from the meeting I was in where they talked about like different resources and options and what that looks like. And there were people in there who had experienced it themselves. And then there was like a, um, uh, the additional part of the class was farmers who had land who were looking to um, lease out part of or sell part of it to a new farmer. And they are willing to work out um, plans to make it affordable for people. And it was fascinating. And I, I didn't even know that was a thing. And then um, the the overall feel I got, and this isn't necessarily true, was that if you have a decent credit score, that's like the base of what you need at least. Is like 
to show you can like pay your bills basically. Right. I right. mean that, 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 and that can be hard in this time for people too. So, um, but if you can build that up and get that to a decent point, and I'm not even saying anything like crazy high, that was more of, that was like the base for some of these loans and um, grants and um, scholarships was to, to show that uh, you pay, you know, you pay your bills. That, that was really the base of right. like getting yeah. Um, and I agree. And I, I, again, that's probably another area that like, I'm not going to pretend that we, we don't have a good credit score, but at right. the same time, we have not bought things and done things for many years to maintain that. And so that's where the yeah. heart Lindsay comes out of saying, like, I understand that that's hard, but people make decisions financially every single day on what they value. I'm never going to judge people for doing it. But please don't tell me that you don't have money at the end of the month. And I know you ate out every single night, like eat out every night. That's totally fine. But that the yeah. two don't go together. And yeah. there are a lot of sacrifices that we've made and we're still making sacrifices for that. And um, I kind of like what you mentioned about there's all these different ideas and selling off this area. I think I'll go back to the same thing of saying like, if a lot of people want to say, well, I don't have the accessibility to that kind of information. You haven't probably put yourself in the position to. Um, yeah. And so it's, that's a lot of it. Like you're not going to learn that information, not researching or doing anything. Like there's so much that you can do living in your apartment or your home like those extensions office, like master gardener class, like you can go to all yeah. things um, without anything. And like the connections you'll make and the information you make, I think people so are just, if it's not, we live in microwave, <laughs> we live in a microwave generation. Like if we didn't find the answer within a couple of tries, it's not obviously there. And that's just not the case. And I think yeah. that you can find that with this kind of desire for a lot of people is that you may have to hunt and search for a little bit for some of those answers and make those connections and just just the stories I've heard even just in this area I there's a homesteading group a women's homesteading group that is in all of Oklahoma and then they're subdivided into counties and it's like my favorite thing to do and I went and I'm greatly under age <laughs> the normal but that is one of the biggest things that they talk about is like, why am I so young in this is because there's such a lack of my generation searching out for things like they don't use social media. So no one knew that they existed. So I was like searching for things. I was asking, I asked the feed store if they, if people met and it was like a friend of a friend sent me a text message of when they met. And I'm like, that took a little bit of effort. And that's a big, gosh, oh, there's yeah. so many soapboxes today, but like, that's yeah. a big thing. I think with this is because you do, they're, they're not always painting big billboards of all the answers that you need to find some of these resources. Um, and you know, you gotta find it. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. No, I think that's very good advice, especially when you're talking about, um, that could apply to so many things. So I don't mean this on a knock on either generation, but that, that, um, that learning or like transferring, uh, of knowledge gap is such a real thing in so yeah. many areas that the, 
older generation isn't using social media and the younger generation solely relies on it. So there's no connection there. And I think that, oh, that like applies to so many things. Um, and one could say like, one needs to work harder, either, you know, they need to connect. Well, you know what, someone's got to do it. And if it's not happening on one end, then you be the connector and like, figure that out, you know? Um, and my big thing too is, and this is something, this is kind of like a self pep talk for myself, but I'd really believe in this is if, if you really want the possibility of like having a homestead and a farm and a farming business, like, and maybe you don't have (laughs) like a lot of time or have a lot of money or a good credit score or um, even know what you want yet, don't have a business plan. If you don't have any of those things, man, 31 years has gone by really fast for me. And so two years, like if you think about five years, 10 years, like I think if it's something that's on someone's heart and they desire it, so what if it takes you five, six, seven, 10, 15 years to get it? because there's so much to learn. And like, if you can just take steps forward for it, that time's going to go by anyway, it's going to go by anyway. So you might as well, (laughs) you know, um, unless there's a circumstance that changes your mind, but I feel like people, if they really want this, they just have to, like you're saying, start doing the research, do a little bit every day, every week, and time's going to go by fast anyway. And you'll see where you are in a couple of years. Right. Um, And just jumping into anything and everything. I think again that so many people think there's just this giant gap from zero to everything and which I said that I wish I would have done I wish I would have done master gardeners classes or all these free like worked at the community garden or volunteered at um you know random things like I went from zero to nothing because we kind of did but at the same time so many people that want to do it but yet you're but but yet you're not doing any of the random little things. Um, mm-hmm. Cause maybe, maybe that will, maybe that will take the, the want out and maybe that was all that was needed. Yeah. And, yes. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's in everything. Yes. Obviously we're talking more about this subject, but um, it's just movement, like just move, move somewhere, like not move, yeah. but just like move towards something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so important too, to, to just try to even figure out that's still an actual desire. Is it something you actually want to do? I think that's so important. And also um, just from a, just a resource standpoint, I remember some of the grants that are available in Iowa that I remember uh, some of the questions on there are if you have any experiences, like, like, so if you had worked as a part-time farmhand or helped at a garden or did master gardener, like that would help you with your grant. Like if you do things like that. Um, yeah, it's so, like college. Yeah. Like we understood that concept in high school where it would be like, no, you should, you know, get involved in an honor society or do student council because you're trying to build your college resume. Like we understood that. And then all of a sudden, I feel like sometimes we in adult world um, don't understand like the legitimacy of those type of things and what it, you know, building a resume yeah. towards that stuff. and. Um, so a funny thing about like grants or not funny, but one of the things we learned, which I should have known this, but the amount of women farmer grants over men grants are like so many. So we strategically put the farm 
as a 51, 49% yeah. of business. So now it's a woman owned ag business by me <laughs> and the, oh, like every, a lot of things open up. And so like just funny things like that, that it's like, I didn't know. And, and, you know, you can shift that you can shift ownership. So if you have somebody listening that has their farm and their husband or whomever has a hundred percent and she's like, well, we already did that. Then like shift it. Like, you know, but like the things that you learn and just inching along, like you're never going to, this is a, so me thing. I'm a gather all of the info, then execute. And this has, um, cured me of all of that. There's just no way to do it. <laughs> There's just no way. It's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> that isn't, that is incredible. I, I am so grateful for this conversation I and I feel that. like we could have like taken it apart in so yeah. many different ways. And, um, but I, I loved it. And I, I think it is so cool that you guys took the plunge and just jumped into it. And, um, it, and like following you, it just, it's beautiful. And I love, you have the same kind of like pigs I want to get. And I like, love watching yeah. the pigs. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's fun. And I, for people to follow along, where where can they find you? Um, yes. So putting the business hat on, we, I mean, we're named Graham Acres, but um, it's kind of the funny part of farming is because it's like, I went in not thinking I was going to try to like social media anything. And now it's like one of my favorite things to do is like share the journey. But um, on Instagram, I'm just life with lens because that's my original Instagram that has shifted towards all farm stuff. Um, but on TikTok, I am the same life with lens and um, I'm post a lot on there and it's very fun. There's a lot that I've learned on that of just the community aspect and even that as a stream of income. And um, so Life with Lens is where you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. And I would, I love the community aspect. It's that, that's my biggest thing is the social media community part of, um, of social media and just connecting with like-minded people. And um, so, yeah, I'd love to connect with people. Thank you so much for being here. I love you guys. Whether you've been here one time or 60 plus times, I, I am just so appreciative of your time and listening and honoring our guests and being here. If you would leave us a review, uh, I am on everywhere podcasts are found. So leave us a review on Spotify, on Apple. Uh, if you need anything, have questions, want to hear about something, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And until next time, get out there.